You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. We launched our newsletter. Some of you may have already seen the first couple of emails that went out. I'm super proud of this newsletter. I really wanted to give you actionable advice, targeted advice for getting unstuck in really any facet of your life. Also, you keeping up to date with deals, new products, new events, etc. Below, you can opt in. These will not be like any other emails that you receive. They're actually really fun to read. So definitely check it out and let me know what you want to hear in our next newsletter. If you'd like to receive our newsletter, there'll be a link to opt in in the show notes. Now on to the episode. Today, I'm joined by Joshua Church. Joshua is the co-founder of Edge Theory Labs, where he and his cousin built the world's first self-cooling, self-cleaning portable ice bath. They're on a mission to help people find their edge and unlock their maximum human potential. I absolutely loved this conversation and all the value that was provided within it. Joshua is not only someone who is leading the efforts to help athletes everywhere recover better, but also is just a great person. And that really comes through in this episode. And I really love his passion for helping others. Now on to the episode. Joshua, thanks for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, you know, as I was doing some of my research here, I love what you're doing with Edge Theory Labs, but also just being in this space and also having a mutual friend in Alex. Uh, I've gotten a lot of referrals to come talk to you. So I'm really excited to dive in and learn a little about you. So just starting off, just tell us a little about yourself, where you're from and all that good stuff. Absolutely. So I am, I'm from San Diego, California. It's where I lived most of my life. And I like to describe myself as a passionately curious student of life, if I could sum it up. And what that means to me is I've, you know, I've really just spent the last decade of plus of my life experimenting with this whole flow of life and different opportunities and following the learnings and turning adversities and struggles into gifts and turning my messes into messages. And, and I've just always followed the learnings and through following the learnings and following the things that seem really interesting to me. It's led me to all around the world to learn from some amazing teachers and and have experiences that I I could die tomorrow and feel like I've lived an entirely full life. And I'm so grateful for that. So that's a little bit about me. Um, and we'll dive into all the, all the in-betweens. You just gave wisdom bombs. I think some of us caught them really fast. When you talk about the flow of life and we talk about the flow of learning, I love how you kind of pivoted to flow of learning and really trying to kind of release some of that resistance we might have to what it should look like. Talk to us a little bit more about like where you're at in your flow, maybe where you've been in the past where you really maybe didn't feel in flow. 
Yeah, great question. One of the analogies that I love, it comes from um, Abraham Hicks, who's been a great teacher of mine. There's this analogy of holding a cork underneath the water. And that's like resistance. We're often holding, like, imagine holding a cork underneath the water. And it takes a lot of effort to hold it down, hold it down. And what happens when we just let go? The cork just bobs back up to the surface and it's a natural state. And there's a lot that we can translate to that. And this idea of surrender and how it relates to the ice bath as well, which is a whole other conversation we'll get into, but, but how it relates to this idea of surrendering and how there's an extreme and the most incredible strength that comes through surrender. Like as a man and as someone going through my growth process, I would always think like surrendering feels like this weak quality, like surrender. Like you don't want to surrender. What does that yeah. mean? Like you want to be strong, but. There's this paradox there where there is the ultimate strength in surrendering to be able to open up and to be able to lean in heart forward and to let go and let go of control. Like that takes an extreme strength. And that's the kind of strength I think that, that more people are waking up to and that we need. And so for me, I, I felt like really it started my body physically and feeling a lot of resistance and, and not being in a flow and not surrendering to what my body was trying to tell me. I had chronic injuries. I had some acute injuries and some life-threatening injuries as well. And it was all really in, in hindsight, it was all bringing me closer to my body. And, and my body was begging for my attention because it had wisdom to share. And it had path of healing that was waiting for me, that was illuminated. And I just needed to listen and quiet everything down and listen to. So before that, it was, for me, you know, while oftentimes resistance manifests itself in different forms, it can be frustration, it can be, you know, you feel stuck, it can be stagnation. And for me, it was really physically with different injuries I was having and just not feeling like I was really at home in my body. And so that, that was what I experienced pre. And then as I moved through that and, and different circumstances brought me and forced me, quite literally forced me on a path of healing and health and wellness and opened up this whole portal into healing my relationship with my body, becoming incredibly in tune with my body, physically active in a way that I never thought was possible, challenging myself in ways that I thought were impossible truly, and to be able to, to go down this path that I'm on now. I absolutely love that. And surrendering is going to be a theme, I think, as we start to talk about Edge Theory Labs, which I took a deep dive already. And cousins and co-founders, like, first off, That's I want it. to hear about Edge Theory Labs and what you guys are doing as a previous D1 athlete. I ran the 400-200 relays, junior oh, Olympics. I remember ice bathing either in my hotel room or at home and doing it constantly. And now that I look at the technology you offer, man, I wish we had that just waiting for us as we got off the track. Talk to me about your inspiration and the kind of journey to start something like that. And also going into business with family. As we all know, there has been a lot of quote unquote resistance to that as well. And want to hear about your journey there. But tell us about Edge Theory Labs and what came, and how that came about. Absolutely. It, it was a very, uh, as I just said in the podcast I was on earlier, it was one big accident waiting to happen. It was <laughs> like it was a natural evolution in the expression of my learning and my desire to share my learnings with other people. And I believe that we're all teachers. We're all student teachers, as I like to say. We're all learning and we're doing and then we're teaching. And learning really is just remembering. It's remembering what we already know. Doing is demonstrating that we know that. And then teaching it is reminding others that they know it too. And I discovered um, this crazy, I came across this crazy guy named Wim Hof on a podcast talking about breath work and cold immersion and being alive and feeling strong and capable and healthy. And, and the message really resonated with me. And so I did, I followed that learning. I went on the website, did a little mini course, and I wanted to go do a, like a workshop near me, but this is in 2018, 2019. And so there was like a handful of North American teachers, mostly based in Europe, and it was very small and still fringe at the time. So I couldn't find anything, but I saw that there was an, a retreat out in Iceland. And I'm like, 
that seems interesting. So I followed that impulse that I had of like, I feel like this could be a life-changing trip for me. And I booked a retreat to Iceland, not knowing anybody doing that and going to a foreign place. And, and it was, it was truly transformational as I dove into the, the power of breath work, of cold water immersion, of our mind body connection, of our nervous system, this incredible mechanism of our nervous system and our ability to influence and regulate it and, and our ability to actually influence our, our hormonal system, our endocrine system, our immune system. And it was just this, poof, wow, this is so powerful and it's so simple and it makes so much sense. And so when I came back from that trip, I was just, I was hooked on doing ice baths and it, and, it, and it really helped me process and release a lot of trauma that I had from my body from previous injuries and adversity that I'd faced and, and some near-death experiences as well. And so it helped me release some of that stuff. And I just felt so different. So I came home and I was doing ice baths all the time. And my cousin and I were training for a an Ironman triathlon. And so we started doing ice baths as part of the training and it was making a massive difference. And, and then we got tired of buying ice. And so I <laughs> yeah. asked him if he could help me hack a chest freezer and do a DIY cold plunge. And he was like so confused, but he said, I don't want you to electrocute yourself or close the lid on yourself. So like, let's find another way to build cold water. And, and so he's an engineering kind of minded tinkering type of person. And so we built an off, you know, with above ground off the shelf pool parts, we built a first prototype, which we were just using for ourselves. And we just kept making it better and better and better. And then we're like, how can we find a way to, so that I can put this on my balcony or we can take it with us to the next race or that, you know, we can ship it out and have it in you know New York when we got there to visit. That led us to launching and building the, what was the first portable all-in-one cold tub solution. So that was a little bit about how we how we led to that. And just touching briefly on being cousins and co-founders, I like to say we're actually co-founders first and cousins second. And that's the way that it works super well, is that we didn't just get into business together because we're family. We got into business together because we had a very complementary set of skills. And the stuff that I'm doing and the stuff that I focus on in sales, community, business development branding is the exact opposite stuff that his strengths are at and the stuff that he doesn't want to focus on and the stuff that he focuses on operations admin finance product like i don't want to touch that stuff like the thought of you know him being on a pod this podcast right now like would be <laughs> horrible it would be like it would be the equivalent of me doing the demand planning and financial forecasting that he's doing right now probably at his computer so it works really well from that standpoint and then we happen to be cousins and and we happen to love each other and have such a deep respect for each other and a deep respect for our relationship and enjoy and being friends as well and enjoy spending time together that it makes for an incredible co-founder relationship. So I say, if you can find a family member or friend where you can be co-founders first and, and, and then friends or family member second, it's incredible as long as you're able to keep having open, honest communication and conversations and being willing to have difficult conversations. It's the best thing ever. I really appreciate that perspective because I hear that all too often. Like, don't go into business with friends or family. Totally. And I think it really is case by case. And I really appreciate that as well. I think just in general, when you're looking for business partners, it's key that you guys complement each other in the most important ways. Something you were mentioning when you were talking about just getting into ice baths, and it just kind of took me back. I can put myself right back to the first ice bath I ever took and the level of learning that actually occurred as I continue to do those, because there always is that resistance. The moment you kind of dip your toe in and it's freezing cold and everything locks up and is like, don't get in this ice bath. Like, what are you doing? And then two minutes later, once you're fully submerged and you're in and you just feel this release and you just feel all of that pain subside. And, you know, as I mentioned, I was running a lot. So there was just always these, you know, hamstring, you know, foot things that would just constantly nag at me. And I noticed to your point, healing was so much better after the fact. And more so as I continued to do it as I got older, it became deeper. 
it was something where you began to reflect on your just general resistance to most situations. What are some of the like deeper learnings that maybe you've heard from some of your athletes or just in your own experience as you've done ice bathing that you can recall? Yeah. Well, that's, I appreciate you sharing that as well. That's the coolest part for me is that most of us, especially historically up until you know the recent trend and focal point and spotlight that's on cold water immersion, we think about ice baths as something that athletes do. So you do it post-workout, you do it for recovery. The pro athletes take ice baths after and it's just something for the athletes. And I love working with athletes as well because that's kind of the way they viewed it. It's just like, okay, this is something I have to do. I have to get in here and I have to suffer through this. And I'm just going to bite the towel or distract myself with music and just do do whatever my trainer says to do without actually understanding what's happening and the benefits. And there's a whole lot more that's going on when you do it. And it really, to me, it is going into the ice is such an intimate experience. It is taking the best aspects of workout, of meditation, of recovery, and of healing all into two minutes. And, and it, it really, really is because when you get in, it forces you to be present. It forces you to focus on your breath. It forces you to regulate and to downshift and to take control of your breath, regulate your nervous system. And it's an, it's in a workout in that way where it's going to load up stress and you're going to manage that stress. And then it, it's just, it's such an intimate experience when you can close your eyes and go really deep inward and it forces you to go deeply inward. And I, I really do believe and we're working on doing some research studies that can actually prove this as well. But I believe that when you bring the intention forward with that and you're fully focused and present with that, not just like distracting yourself, there's actually going to be more benefits you can experience than just like getting in, you know, below the waist and just suffering through it and getting through, but actually opening up and, and being super focused and present with it. You know, that's such a key thing that you said, the suffering through piece, because through my D1 experience, every time I did a nice bath, that's exactly what I did. I jumped in, I hated it. I went numb, got out, was like, great. Noticed the benefits, but never really got that deep with it. I think that's key. And, and today, you know, I don't ice bath every day, but, you know, I definitely, whenever I'm having a day that's a lot more busy or where I'm less aware, I work from home. So I'll jump in a cold shower in the afternoon and there's such a release when you can just, again, go to that breath work, just kind of forget. And I think that's what is great is it lets you kind of forget for a second, but then it slowly, the thoughts and the things come back to a way where you can actually be aware of everything that's going on. Because it's easy, to your point, just to suffer through and ignore. But I think there's so much to your point about ice bathing that has been the reason why it's so big. I mean, candidly, I saw one of your ads and I thought it was great. I loved it. But all of a sudden, there were 50 other companies and I was like, oh, I didn't totally. realize how big this is getting. And it's something that I hear about constantly. So now that you're in this environment, I mean, ice bathing is what you're committed to, but also just making athletes better and mindfulness. What are some of like the differentiators that you've noticed that your company brings that maybe others haven't or maybe have ignored? Totally. Well, there's a few and there's some on the product front. And then more importantly, in my opinion, there's a lot more on the company and the brand front as well. But just touching briefly on the product front... We engineered and built the world's first all-in-one portable cold tub. So what that means is we brought to market a chiller unit that has filtration built in, water pump built in, cooling built in, heating built in, all within one box, two hoses that connect can connect to any body of water. And then with that, we built the drop stitch inflatable tub that's like the stand-up paddleboard material or military boats that can pack down into a backpack, which is great. But also when it's up, it's rigid and firm and you can put your whole weight on it. So it makes traveling super easy. So we have a number of different D1 collegiate track programs and track and field specifically that use it so they can bring it to the meets and they can do their cold water immersion there instead of waiting to get back to the hotel or doing trash cans and, and oh, they proteins. Got it good. Like, <laughs> they got it good. They do got it good, yeah. And, and plenty of protein 
teams like you know LA Clippers, the NBA champion Denver Nuggets, a bunch of hockey teams as well that utilize it for road travel and for road games. There's all that on the product front. You know, we've we've engineered it with the highest quality materials. We have the best customer support. Like we truly care about the, the customers. But say beyond that, our mission is to really help people unlock their maximum human potential. It's not just to sell a cold tub. Mm. And I think that that comes through, and I'm sure it came yeah, through for you, which absolutely. is why we're having this conversation. And it comes through into everything that we do from a team standpoint. Like we've got a team of 15 people now, and every single person like really lives and breathes this and walks the walk. Our office space, we have a six person sauna. We've got two cold tubs set up. We've got the hyper ice recovery station. We got the oxygen and hydrogen inhalation therapy. We got the whole stack. We got a workout zone. We got dumbbells. Like, we really are embodying this and, and being that change so we can inspire others to do the same. And, and what that means for me and for us is that our job and my job doesn't feel complete when we just, someone places an order, buys a unit and we ship it. That just really starts in my opinion. Like that's where the start of the relationship is, where I think that a lot of other companies and especially in the space where it's hot right now and people want to make money and, and, and capitalize on it. Like they view that as the end piece of like, Oh, cool. We got someone to purchase. We ship it. Great. We're done. But to me, that's really where our job starts. It starts with helping them not only utilize the product and understand customer support and, and how to use the longevity of the product, but how to actually use it and get in there every day because it does me no good to just sell a tub that sits there for someone that doesn't help us advance our mission and help make the world a better place if it just sits there in someone's garage. But to actually have someone and give someone the tools, the resources, the community, the place and the space to be able to utilize it on a consistent and daily practice and make it part of their daily practice and their regular routine, that's when my job feels complete when they're utilizing it as a tool that it is. So those are a couple of different ways that I think that we we differentiate ourselves in, in the market. And one of our big mantras is being more than just a tub. So it really is about more than just the tub. You know this, you're very impressive. And I really appreciate your level of thoughtfulness and also care to make impact. But there was a Joshua before all of this. What was that like? And where was that kind of moment for you when you made that transition, when you were like, this is my purpose, like this is what I want to do. I want to touch on a couple things in that journey, like where you were feeling stuck, like maybe where you had some resistance and then kind of that moment for you where you're like, I can do this. Yeah, great, great, great question. Well, the, it, it's funny too because some of my family or or, fr- or childhood friends, you know, they they see the the path that I'm on and what I'm doing and are, are pretty shocked because when I was younger, I was a troublemaker. Like I got suspended <laughs> from school. A bunch. I have a I hard a time believing clown. that. I have a hard time <laughs> yeah. believing that, Joshua. <laughs> yeah. I was I was a total class clown. I I goofed off. I didn't focus on my school. I was I got gotten fights a lot. I got suspended, and I, and I had a lot of like aggression. I had a lot of energy. Is what it was. And in hindsight, that's what it's very clear to me that even from a little kid, I was bouncing off the walls. And, and I say this all the time: is like, thank God my my parents didn't just put me on prescription meds because they easily could have to just calm me down. Like I was all over the place, ADD without a doubt, ADHD. I I was all over the place and I found sports and athletics and my body as a way of of moving and exercise as a way of finally channeling that. So football, high school football for me was amazing because now it's like, Oh, I can go hit people like, yeah, sweet. Like this is great. <laughs> and I was the enforcer and I would go up, I played linebacker. It was the, the hardest hitting position on the field. And I would just go hit people. And I, I was quite good at it. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And so uh, the, the Joshua before this was like trying to figure out how to manage all that energy. And I had all this energy. And then through some injuries that I had and a couple of football related it forced me to I've been walking into a yoga class that my my uncle was like, hey, come take this sculpt yoga class. And taking that sculpt yoga class helped 
I was like, that was a cool workout, but what was that Shavasana thing we did at the end? That was pretty cool. I felt really at peace in my body. Like that felt nice. So I went down that rabbit hole and became a yoga instructor. And so that kind of like helped jumpstart me onto that, onto that journey. And that helped get the motion of me being stuck in terms of the physicality of that. Um, I'm happy to share too, as well, about being stuck just in life in general, because I can't tell you how many limbo phases yeah. I've gone through where it's just like, what the heck is next? <laughs> yeah. What, what's the phase that really hits you? I always tell the story of like the pandemic, obviously, and the effect that had of just being kind of almost in solitary confinement for six months and watching, you know, TikTok launch and just really having to sit with all your ambition and feeling like you couldn't do anything about it. You totally could. It was just our ability to feel ready and go and do something. What was that for you? Yeah, there's a couple moments that come to mind. I think really early on in my career, there was out of during college and out of college, I was working at a startup company in San Francisco and moved down to LA to open up their LA market. And it was a cool company. I was earning way more than I should have been and (laughs) meeting with cool people. And it was, it was, it was awesome. And I actually left school early to go work and help and be part of that company through its founding and its launch. And after I kind of went through some phases there, I got to this level where I looked up and I was like, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Like, I don't know if I want to do marketing for a CPG company for the rest of my life. Like, all of a sudden college is done now and you're like, all right, well, welcome to the real world. Like, here you go. And I'm like, I don't feel like this is the right trajectory. And I don't, I don't know what that right trajectory is. And I feel like I've got a lot of potential, but like, I don't think it's this and I don't know what that is. And that creates a lot of that inner turmoil. One of the things that I've come to learn is that that contrasting experience, that contrast that you feel like, oh, that doesn't feel good, is an essential part of getting you to where you want to go. It's the foundation. It's ground level zero of knowing what you don't want so that when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. And when it's clear in your body, like, this doesn't feel right. I don't like this. Pivot that, feel that, and then pivot that to, okay, what does feel right? What does feel better? What could feel better? And then you start to be on this path and you start following the yellow brick road, as I often say. It's like, what's the next indicated step? What's the next step to take? Okay, well, I don't like this, but what, what might I like? Well, I'm, I saw this TED Talk on education and Ken, Sir Ken Robinson talking about the education system. And I had a really unique experience through my college education. So like, I feel like there's something here for me in education space. Okay, cool. Let me reach out to my teacher here and, and let me go do this. And then that led to me going to Japan to do a teaching fellowship. And then that led to me connecting with a guy named Xander Fryer who founded Shit You Don't Learn in College and joined his company and got all this incredible experience before starting Edge Theory Labs. And so there's like this yellow brick road that you just got to get onto and just take one step in front of the next in front of the next. So that feeling of stuckness of like, ah, oh, this isn't what I want to do. And I have no clue what I want to do, but let me just start figuring out what interests me and follow that and trust that that's going to lead me somewhere. That made all the difference. It's so, so critical. And just adding to everything you just said, I think the biggest thing from my own experience that I'll share here, but also just from the shared experiences that I've now heard about 70 of these conversations is the limiting beliefs that stop us from following that path. Like you mentioned, I think what's great about ADHD once you channel it, but also what's great about ADHD is you tend to have a very short attention span for things you don't like. And I realize too, a big group of my audience doesn't have ADHD and there's some that do. So for the folks that don't have the ADHD, a lot of the time it's almost like staring into an abyss. And once you stare into an abyss long enough, you become the abyss in a lot of ways. Mm. And so I think it's super critical as someone listening to this, I super resonate with what you're saying. That is exactly how I went about my own career, which is just trying as much as I could and grabbing what I liked and discarding what I didn't. But for those of you who feel like that exercise is really tough, it's really the limiting beliefs. And so this is something I've been really focused on. And for those folks, 
if what Joshua was saying resonates, but you're just not quite sure, I would say the biggest thing is just writing down what those limiting beliefs are, like full stop. Don't judge yourself, just write it out and then answer why that limiting belief isn't true. Most of the time, all 43 of mine were not true, but I had figured out a way to put some sort of evidence behind it by not looking at it, by not analyzing it. I kind of just had this autoresponder on that was like, yeah, that, that could be true. And that stopped me from taking those journeys. So really, really appreciate you talking through that. And a fundamental piece of this, which I think we really have in common is having that beginner's mindset. And you mentioned at the beginning how you're just passionately curious. And I think that is really key. And I've struggled with like trying to teach that because I'm starting to realize that you kind of either are naturally curious or you're not. And if you're not, I think, again, it becomes really important to just find that one thing that you're passionate about and that actually gets you excited. So have you come across that at all yourself? about people either being naturally curious or not? Yeah, just like with just being like naturally curious, I think I always found that like, I felt that I was really the only naturally curious one in the room. Like, yeah. like finding yeah. your people who are kind of naturally curious. I think that there's definitely natural, some people are naturally curious, like you're naturally curious, I'm naturally curious as well. Some people may not be naturally curious, but I think being curious is something that you can learn by bringing awareness to it. Like we're all curious about things at the end of the day. Once you can focus on a framework of following that curiosity somewhere, then it leads you to being more curious. If you can see how you had a curiosity about something and how it brought something meaningful or beautiful into your life, all of a sudden you realize and now you develop the evidence of, wow, following my curiosity led to something awesome, led to something cool. Great. Let me do that again. And you start doing that more and you can build that habit of being curious. It is an interesting concept because our attention spans are shorter than ever and people are very self-centered and self-focused and it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to get into. But, but we have this like unique, I think everybody has something that fascinates them or, or makes them or they're curious about. And it's just, it's a matter of recognizing that and asking yourself, what am I curious about? Like, what are things that are interesting to me? What am I, and what you spend your time consuming or looking at is a reflection of that. And how can I take that curiosity to the next level? Is there a way I can learn more about that or apply that or play with that or experiment with that? I think that's the part that most people get tripped up at. People are probably aware of the curiosity, but it's what are you going to do about that to take it to a step further? Absolutely love that. One of the questions I always round out with is as you've now continued to expand and grow this company out, starting off, I think for me personally, my definition of success is way different than it is today. What's your current version of success and what does that kind of look like for you in the next year or two years? Yeah, it's great. For me, I, I measure success as being able to, at the end of the day, feel that I did the best that I could with all that I had and that I feel like I left it all out on the field. And that feeling of like, oh, I, I, I gave that my all. And even just like, you know, today I'm in the middle of training for an Ironman triathlon right now as we speak. And so I was doing this earlier today. I was, I was doing this, you know, this grueling, it was a seven mile, but like at a threshold pace. And, you know, all, the, all about this with doing like, with say it was pretty brutal. And, and like, as I'm in it, and as I'm in that hurt locker, I'm just like going for the feeling of when I finish and my watch hit seven and I can click, click the watch off that I feel I gave it the best effort that I could. That to me is the feeling of success. If I know that every single day by the end of the day, like I can check the box on that calendar day is like, I left it on the field. I gave this my all and I showed up the best that I could. That is success to me because I know that 
all the rest of the success, the business success, the financial success, the, the relationship success, all that follows and stems from that and stems from me showing up as my best self and, and leaving it all out there on the field. Joshua, this has been an extremely valuable conversation. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. All of Joshua's links will be below and how you can connect with them. Thanks for coming on, Joshua. I appreciate you. Keep doing the great work and illuminating these conversations and looking forward to till uh, till we speak again. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok. <laughs>